0: Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh.
1: Through the years, I have known people who go out of their way to avoid somebody else in the church because they did something to hurt them or make them mad or whatever, and and they would go out of their way, would not speak to them, wouldn't look at them, wouldn't do anything. I've seen people do that in a local body of believers. Now think about the hypocrisy of that.
0: Have you ever had a disagreement with someone? Well, that's kind of a silly question, isn't it? Because we've all had disagreements. We've all experienced conflict. Whether a family issue, a problem at work or at school, clashes in personalities and differences in opinion happen. And when they do, feelings can be hurt and relationships can suffer tremendous, sometimes permanent damage. But what happens when there is a conflict in the church?
1: I following Jesus better. Well, if it's better, one of the areas where it ought to be better is in our relationships. Would you agree? And so when something happens that the world sees is not unifying within the body of Christ, what do you think that does for our witness to the world?
0: Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. We're now in our third week in our series, Crossroads, a series that is going to walk us through the New Testament books of First and Second Corinthians. And today we're going to be getting into the heart of chapter 1 where we will discover that there is conflict in the church. As we will see as we make our way through these letters, there were a lot of problems in the church in Corinth. But the Apostle Paul knows the damage that conflict can bring to the church and to the name of Jesus. So he's going to deal with conflict in the church and the need for unity at the very beginning of his letter.
1: Disunity is like a cancer in a church. And it eats away at the vitality, and it eats away at the health, and it eats away at the effectiveness of that body of believers. And Paul knows that this cancer has to be cut out.
0: The church today can experience conflict as well. So, hearing what Paul has to say to the Corinthians will have a great deal of application for us. Now here's Pastor Clay with today's message. I wanna-
1: Some of you may know that uh, during the week when I, I'm spending time in, in sermon preparation that I, uh, I put uh, a manuscript together. I, I write out, type out uh, a manuscript uh, every week. Uh, I don't normally bring it up here with me, but I, but I type one out every week. And uh, I usually try and wind up my sermon prep by Thursday afternoon, a lot of times it goes into Friday. But I try and wind up by Thursday afternoon, and then I kind of leave it alone. I don't look at it much again until Saturday evening, when I'll go up to my uh, study. And uh, Cindy becomes a preacher's widow, uh, or uh, uh, yeah, on Saturday night as uh, I go up there, and that's where I'll spend the next uh, rest of the night, actually. And so I don't uh, print my sermon manuscript out until until i 'm really the last thing i 'm finished, usually uh, midnight or something like that then i 'll print it out and and i 'll send the send it over uh, electronically or you know to cindy 's printer it's in her office. The church printer is at, at cindy 's office the church pr- our church printer died uh, a while back a couple months ago or six weeks or something so we had to get a new one. Uh, we had to get a new printer, and that printer has been the the printer from from Hades ever since, ever since we got it. It's given Cindy so many problems, so much trouble. It just, lots of stuff, I technical stuff I don't know anything about. <laughs> and uh, I never have any trouble with it. I, I, I just print, for, Saturday night I just bring it up, print, my, it prints out and I go walk over to her office and get it and, and put it in my bag and I'm ready for the next uh, morning. It's, it's always a work in progress, seems like right up until I walk up here. But anyway, last night I was printing my manuscript before I went to bed. It was, it was about midnight, and uh, it's I, I, I hit print, and then I, I just went over to my couch and I prayed prayed a while. And when I finished, I got back up and I brought the computer back up. I saw that the printer logo thing was still there, it was still on there. So y'all know what that means. Are, Houston, we have a problem. Sounds wrong. So I went over to the her office and on the printer it's saying uh, something to the effect of the yeah black ink is empty replace cartridge. Well, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. And Cindy is asleep but that's no problem cuz I and I know you know the next morning I'll tell her and we'll finish. It had printed most of the manuscript but not all of it. And so uh, when my alarm went off this morning, Cindy was already up, or, and uh, and but I didn't hear her in the kitchen, and so I got to thinking maybe she was up in her office. So I got up and I went out and I said, "Baby," I said the the and I kind of saying up to her into her office. Uh, the printer didn't print all my manuscript last night, and you know in a, in, a, in a very Christ-like way, she she said, "Darling, I'm currently working on that uh, problem." Uh, Give me a few minutes. Something, Thank you <laughs> something to that effect. And so, I probably should have clarified a little bit more and and said to her that it was in the middle of printing when it when it stopped. But I, I guess somehow you when know, when I said I tried to print my thing last night and it wouldn't print it, that some got lost in translation. And so, uh, she came down a long time later uh, to get dressed and. Sh- and she was a little frazzled, I guess it's safe to say. she's a little frazzled because she'd been wrestling with this printer uh, because it's, it's one of the things I found out that she said it's saying is that there's some, some printing job that's incomplete and she can't get that off the screen and she can't get rid of it and she can't, whatever. And so she said, I think I finally got it figured out. She said, I, that printer is going to be the death of me and whatever all she said. And so... I was already dressed. I went up to my office, brought the computer back up cuz I had left the printer open uh from where it had stopped. I uh hit uh continue or print and it printed the last two pages. <laughs> no problem. And so uh I came back downstairs, I'm fixing my coffee. And eventually Cindy comes out and, and she says, "I'll I'll get I'll get to your manuscript in just a minute." I said, "I already printed it out." And she's like, "What do you what do you mean you already printed it out?" I said, "I I, I just hit continue printing and it finished the pages it didn't print (laughs) at that moment we literally were not on the same page we literally you got that kyle you got that yeah yeah we literally were not on the same page but we got it all worked out but my point is being on the same page is important obviously important in marriage it's important in life it's important in the life of the church that last part, that shh, that was for emphasis. If you've got a copy of God's Word, open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Yes, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, ladies and gentlemen. Our third week in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to be making our way through the entire book of 1 Corinthians, and Lord willing, if Jesus tarries, through 2 Corinthians as well, in this series entitled Crossroads. Crossroads. Crossroads for several different reasons. It's entitled that, but some of which you will get as we move forward in this uh, series. I see uh, Stan and Pam are back with us. You guys have been traveling, carrying the country. Good to see you guys. Welcome, welcome home. Miss y'all. Glad you're back in one one piece. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'm just, I'm just going to share with you, it'll take a little while to do this, but I'm going to share one idea or division statement with you, having to do with this idea of being on the same page. And Tyler, I can't remember. Are we reading the verses first or the division statement first? Division statement first. Okay, so here's the idea, and you can fill this blank in if you'd like to do that on the back of your information sheet. It looks like this. There is a necessity for unity in the church. Would y'all say that out loud with me, please? There is a necessity... For unity in the church. Now, let me read you something about it, and then we'll, we'll dive in a little bit more. 1 Corinthians, maybe I should open my Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 10, and I'll read through verse 17 this morning. Okay, y'all ready? It's the Word of God, man. This is awesome. This is awesome stuff. <laughs> this is awesome stuff. I love it. Now, I exhort you, brethren... By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now, I mean this, that each one of you is saying, well, I'm a Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would say you were baptized in my name. Now, I did baptize also the household of Stephanas, and beyond that, I I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. Father God, today as we dive back into your word, thank you so much. These people are so faithful. God, we, we, we want to see our numbers increase. We want more people coming in to, to sing those songs that... that uh, that just magnify your name. I want more people sitting under your word, uh, being, being convicted by your Holy Spirit, accomplishing your purposes, Father God. I'm so grateful for these people who are here and are part of this, uh, this local body of believers. And Father, within this body, there, there, there is a love. There, there really is. We're not perfect. When We don't get it right all the time. But I'm, I'm so grateful because, as Paul is going to bring out here, there really is a necessity for unity in the body. Of Christ and so I pray that uh, as we talk about these things today as we look at your word that there would be in our hearts and in our minds this this overarching desire with each person scattered all over this room, those working down in our children's ministry, those that serve as our greeters or setup teams, those are part of our praise team, those that, that that give and participate those that serve in some ministry area like life groups or whatever the case may be wherever and what all, Every person here who's a part of this, Father God, may uh, today we, we hear through this message, man, we, we got we to keep the unity. We have to have unity within the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Uh, we, the first nine verses, we spent a couple weeks looking at the first nine verses, and that was Paul's opening greeting. And we saw there's a lot of stuff in there just in that, in that greeting to, to talk about. But now, in verse 10, we move on in, and we're going to find that we're getting into what you could call the meat of the, 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 the letter. He's really going to get into this stuff. One of the things that I said for both the last two weeks is that the, the Apostle Paul had a deep love for the church in Corinth, which I'm sure he had for, for all the church. I don't mean that he didn't love the other churches, but as I have previously stated Paul founded the church in Corinth. He, 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 that was his baby. And that wasn't the only one he found. But, but he founded that one in Corinth. And we know that he spent a year and a half there with those people. Pouring into them. Helping them get grounded. Helping them get rooted in their faith. Helping them grow and learn how to share their faith and, and support the ministry and, and, and understand God's word. He spent a year and a half poor of his life pouring into those people. And so Paul had a, a, a love and concern for them that, that, that I think you could say would be akin to a parent's love for a child. Now, being a parent, having experienced it, and being a pastor and having experienced it, I can say to you that, that nothing uh, gives you a, a greater burden... As a parent or, or as a pastor, nothing gives you a greater burden than to know or to see that your children or the, or, or the people that you are responsible for, spiritually speaking, that those people are solid and grounded and rooted and they're growing in their faith in Jesus Christ and they're safe in who they are in Christ and, and they're living out this Christ-like life and enjoying all that God intends for them to enjoy even in the midst of the mess that life can be. I, I, I know that burden. I know that feeling of what he's, what he's feeling in this moment. Paul loves them, and it is because of his love, this deep passion and love that he has for the church in Corinth, that the Apostle Paul is about to have a serious come-to-Jesus meeting (laughs) with the church in Corinth, because there were issues in Corinth. Now, there were a lot of issues in Corinth, as we'll see as we make our way through this this letter, there's a lot of stuff going on, but he starts... With unity or the lack thereof because, ladies and gentlemen, lack of unity, disunity is like a cancer in a church. It really is. And it eats away at at the vitality, it eats away at the health, it eats away at the effectiveness of that body of believers. And Paul knows that this cancer has to be cut out, not only for the health of the church, but also, and perhaps even more importantly, for the honor and glory of God. Now, to you and me, as we read this, and I'll get in some specifics in just a minute, but to you and me, the reason for this rift, this trouble in Corinth, it may seem kind of silly. But the truth is, most church rifts are over something silly. What color the carpet is supposed to be in the sanctuary? Whose child got the lead part in the Christmas musical? Hymber, hymn books versus video screens. The truth is most church rifts are over something silly. I, I once had a, a pastor guy tell me about a, a church meeting in his church. Some of you heard me say this, I think, before. Uh, I talked to him, and earlier that week, his church on the Sunday night previously had had a, had a business meeting. At the business meeting, he brought up. Uh, and made a motion that, that the church buy a new trash can w- with locking lids because the trash can that the church currently had he lived in the parsonage right beside the church if you don 't know what a parsonage parsonage is a church that the is a, a house i 'm sorry that the church provides it, it, you see this a lot of rural communities think like this it 's a house that a church will provide for its pastor. For, for him and his family to live in and it's kind of part of his compensation. They provide a home uh, for him. And so he lived in the parsonage and uh, And he made a motion at the church meeting that they buy a new trash can that had locking lids because dogs or raccoons or something were getting into uh, his trash and the church the church trash, whatever, somebody's trash and w- it was strewing, strewing garbage all over the church grounds and the yard and, and everything else. He said the members of the church at the meeting began to argue among themselves as to which was the best trash can to buy or which might be the best place to buy that trash can that would have the best deal or was there even perhaps a better way to to secure the trash so that the dogs or the raccoons or whatever couldn't get into it he said to me with kind of a dejected look two and a half hours later the motion was tabled because they could not come to a consensus on what was the best way to handle the trash can crisis. The pastor said he went out the next day and just bought a trash can with his own money. But, but, I, but I, I just wonder sometimes, what must God think of his church? What must God think of his church at times? Now, in this case, in Corinth, the Corinthians had, had begun to, 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 to divide themselves among who they considered their leader in the church. There was those that, that identified with, with the Apostle Paul, maybe because he was the founder of the church. He started this thing, and he, he's our guy. I, I'm, of, I'm of Paul. And other people said, well, well, well I, I'm of, a, of Apollos. Apollos was a, was a brilliant uh, Greek uh, believer, and I'm sure that his, his writing style, his teaching style, probably would have appealed to the Greek culture uh, there uh, in, in, in Corinth. And so there was those that would have identified with him. Others said, I- I'm, of, I'm of Cephas. Uh, Cephas is Peter. Uh, Cephas is simply the Aramaic translation of, of Peter in English or, or uh, Petros in uh, Greek. I- I'm of I'm Peter, who, by the way, had almost certainly never been to Corinth. But, because he was Jewish and was one of those original twelve uh, you know, disciples of Jesus probably, and I'm just speculating here, but probably those that were of, of Jewish culture and who'd come to faith in Christ, they probably may be more identified with Peter as just the tradition of it and the fact that he was, you know, a founding member and that he was Jewish and all that kind of stuff. Then you had the crowd that said, Well, I'm of Christ. Which either meant that there was at least one crowd, one part of the crowd that was getting it right, and we'd like to think that, but more than likely, since since it just appears to me, since the way Paul lumps them all together, more than likely, there's a, there's a, there's a spiritual arrogance or superiority among that group. Because they, they, they're not identifying, oh, we don't identify with any man. I'm a Christ. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they were actually getting it right. But I'm just telling you. That that's and, and here it is. All this is going, on. I'm a Paul. I'm a Paul. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a this person. I'm a that person. I'm a, all this. And it's causing division in the church. It's causing disunity. And Paul knows what happens if this goes untreated, if this, comes, if this goes undealt with. And so he begins, and I want to read verse 10 again, this time from the New Century Version. He begins with this, with this plea, begging them, get along. Look at it in verse 10, let me just bring it up, or let Tyler bring it up. I beg you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with each other and not be split into groups. I beg that you be completely joined together by having the same kind of thinking and the same purpose. This is a big deal. I want you to hear this. This is a big deal to Paul. It's still a big deal for the church today. It's a big deal that there be unity. Now, I'm going to give you the reasons why in just a few moments. But I'm saying to you, this is really, really a big deal that there be unity in the body of Christ We've got to figure out a way to get along even when we don't get along. We've got to figure out a way to, to be united even when we don't agree about a certain this or a certain that or, or, or whatever else. And after kind of exposing where they are in this, and like in verse 12, 11 and, and 12, I'm of Paul, well I'm of Apollos, well I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. After kind of laying it out there, Paul then in verse 13 and following asked them some very, uh, very, some very practical theological questions Designed to help them see the insanity of what they were doing. And he he just says very plainly. Has Christ been divided? Did did I I, I miss something? Has Christ Christ been divided? Was was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now, he could have just easily used Peter's name. And he could have just easily used Apollos' name. But basically... To paraphrase, what Paul is saying is like, guys, y'all are missing it. He may not have said y'all, but y'all are missing it. This isn't about, this isn't about me, this isn't about Apollos, this isn't about uh, uh, Peter, and it isn't about you. This is about the unity within the body of Christ that is crucial to, to, to who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. We've got to get this right. He says, we've got to be unified in who we are in Christ. I said, I'll I'll tell you, I'll share with you in just a moment why that is. But there's got to be unity. I want you to understand that. Some of you have heard me tell a story about two churches that are located near where Cindy's dad lives in Gainesville, Georgia. The churches are named Dewberry Baptist Church number one and Dewberry Baptist Church number two. It's not a satellite plant, okay? Now, and, I, and if, you've, if you've heard this story before, if you've ever been telling this story before, you know that, that as I was told, that the church split way back in the 1800s. Church split over, over a chicken dinner. Chicken dinner is what caused the split of a church. The details as to what all it was were, were a little fuzzy. But that, that's my understanding. The church split because of a chicken dinner. Well, I did, I did a little digging, did a little research, and I, I've... I came to find out that, that while close, that story's not exactly true, and so I wanted to share that with you today. Do y'all mind if I do that? Thank you, brother. <laughs> um, i, I got to read it, because it's a newspaper article. Where is that article? Here it is. Okay. Okay. Um, it was a reprinted article, I forget the name of the gentleman that reprinted the article, but it's a reprinted article uh, uh, that was uh, printed in an Atlanta paper in 1929, okay? So, so some of the wording and stuff here is going to sound kind of old to you, but let me just start uh, reading some of this uh, to you. Dewberry Baptist Church number 1 is on Clarks Bridge Road, uh, Georgia 285, uh, north of Gainesville, Georgia. Dewberry Baptist Church number two is on Gainesville Cleveland Road, US Highway 29. The churches are about, uh, three miles apart, and that's exactly right. Cindy's dad lives on Nopone Road, and at one end, Nopone Road dead ends into Clarksbridge Road, and there's Dewberry number one, right there. And at the other end, Nopone Road dead ends into US Highway 129, Cleveland Road, and there's Dewberry number two, right there. Here it is. Uh, A man named Harv Craig was a local newspaper publisher and he told the two Dewberry story in an Atlanta newspaper article, as I said, published in 1929. Craig wrote, In 1821, a little band of Baptist brethren got together, organized and erected a small church building and named it Dewberry. Two of the church's leading members were Philip Byrd, a native Hall Countyan. Hall County is the county that, where these two churches are, and George Chapman, who had moved there from South Carolina in 1831. That explains a lot of you He's from South Carolina, so that explains a lot of it. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Brother Bird, listen to this, Brother Bird uh, was a man of strong opinions, especially on theology. Because Craig, Craig wrote, and of obstinate and irascible disposition. I don't even know what irascible means, but it can't be good. <laughs> of And of an obstinate and irascible disposition, arguifying, I didn't even know that was a word, arguifying was his natural element. Now listen, can I just stop right here and say, You can be dead on with your theology. By the way, in this case, I don't believe Brother Bird was. But you can be dead on in your theology. But if you can't live this Christ stuff out, if you can't live out the love and grace and peace and hope of Christ in your life, then then, there's a problem. There's a problem. Of obstinate and irascible disposition, arguing was his natural element. He and Brother Chapman were constant contenders in the arena of religious disputation. Brother Bird held firmly to the doctrine of election and reprobation. See, y'all thought that was just a contemporary argument going on. It's been going on. The doctrine of election and reprobation. And here's what that, that means. That God had from the beginning ordained that certain individuals should be saved for a life of future bliss and others irretrievably lost. In other words, the doctrine of election, in a nutshell, teaches that that before anybody was born, for everybody, anybody committed any sin for any, God did anything. He just decided beforehand exactly who he was going to let into his heaven and who he was going to create to send to hell. And those people have no, nothing to do with it, no say in it. It's just God is in control of everything and he has already ordained that. That's basically the doctrine of election. Chapman, listen to this, Chapman doubted that, saying, now listen to the way he puts it, I love this. Chapman doubted that, saying that it didn't look to him like fair play for the deity to send a soul into this world with a mortgage on it that never matured and couldn't be paid off. (laughs) Bird would respond sometimes heatedly. It didn't matter a straw how it looked to him. It was taught by St. Paul and his epistles. Wrong. Never mind, I'll go on. And thus they had it. Uh, Craig said, the, the writer article, nip and tuck, and those old fathers would argue in bootless discussions on theology. Watch this. Out of these discussions, and the rancor engendered by them, a storm child was born. That's what happens, folks. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. It can even be over theology, it can be over silly stuff, or something you may seem serious, but they carried on their debate from time to time, but then it overlapped into their choice for a pastor. Right? Bird's following wanted the Reverend Thomas Kimsey, and Chapman had rallied some members behind the Reverend Jackie Reeves. And that was kind of the final crack that deepened the divide. One day, here we go. One day, Chapman and Bird were eating together but continuing their theological tiff. Brother Bird. Uh, Craig continued, as usual, by reason of his ready tongue and aggressiveness, had Brother Chapman about faded. In other words, he's, Bird's just like hammering him on the doctrine of election and hammering him and hammering him. And Chapman, so he's just like wearing him out. He's, he, uh, he's about, Bird at least thinks that Chapman's about the place where he's got no response. And so watch this. About had Brother Chapman faded. And with an exultant glance at the enemy... Bird, an exalted glance at the enemy, he stabbed his fork into a choice piece of fried chicken. I told you it was close. Stabbed his fork into a choice piece of fried chicken, waved it aloft, and exclaimed, Brother Chapman, it was predestined before the foundation of the world that I would eat this piece of chicken. Chapman's response was to pick up a biscuit and with it knock the chicken off of Bird's fork. That's a good shot, isn't it? According to Craig, a gloomy, floppier dog near the men, just waiting for someone to throw a morsel in its direction, smelled the delectable morsel as it swished through the air and made such a catch as would do credit to a big league infielder. The mutt plucked the chunk of chicken out of the air, digesting it before anybody could retrieve it. According to Craig, this, that incident caused the church to finally split. Dewberry, according to Craig, had 75 members at the time. All of them but three pulled out and went with Chapman down the road, the other side of Nopone Road, to an abandoned Methodist church called Red Stick. And the three uh, faithful remained with Bird, who continued Dewberry, the first one, with a preacher coming once a month. A few years later, the uh, uh, the Chattahoochee Baptist Association officially designated them Dewberry number one and Dewberry number two because they couldn't keep the record straight because both of them were claiming the names and they would send in data on you know baptisms or attendance or money given or whatever else. And so they said, all right, you're number one and you're number two. And so thus they have been ever since. Now, I, I just ask you, where, where is God glorified in that? Where is God glorified in that? And listen, when I talk about unity within the church, I'm not just talking about when we're, when we're gathered here. You would think that would be a given, wouldn't you? You would think we could at least smile at each other and be friendly here, but I'm telling you, through the years, I have known people who would go out of their way to avoid somebody else in the church because, because they did something to hurt them or make them mad or whatever, and, and they would go out of their way, would not speak to them, wouldn't look at them, wouldn't do anything. I, I've seen people do that in a local body of believers. Now think about the hypocrisy of that. I'm going to go into church to worship this God of love, sing songs about His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness, while at the same time holding within my heart this bitterness, this anger, because some person hurt me, some person did something, uh, this, this fellow believer in the church did something that, that I didn't like or I didn't this or they didn't, whatever. Whatever. And, and, and somebody i 've had people say well that 's why if I, if I have those feelings i i't i just don 't go to church or, or I find another church to attend oh yeah, oh yeah that that glorifies god that that 's a good way to settle a rift between a brother and a sister in christ you know, you know what I 'm saying What this really comes down to. It's not theology, it's not the color of the carpet, it's not, the, what this really comes down to is flesh, me, ego, what I want, what I think, what I, how I think it should be done, uh, this or that, what color it should be, what, what music should be played, what should this or that, and, 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 and it shouldn't be in the body of Christ. It, we, we may not always agree with everything, but we have to figure out a way to, for there to be unity in the church. Psalm uh, 133 uh, says this: "says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. How wonderful a thing that that is! <sighs> All right, real quickly, let me let me give you let me let me give you some, some two reasons, real quickly, why unity within the body is so important. Okay, now next week we're going to look at what what it is we unify around, but, but let me give you two reasons why unity in the church is so important. The first one is this: for our witness." To the world. First reason there has to be unity in the church. Is for our witness to the world. Ladies and gentlemen. You may not realize this. But the world is watching the church. You you may not think that they are. But I can assure you. That the world is watching the church. And they hear and they see. Because church members seem to love to talk about a fight. Not sure how much they talk about Jesus a lot of times. But they love to talk about a fight. But the, the, the world is watching the church. And one of the things that we say as a church, one of the things that we say is that is that following Jesus is better, right? Yes. Well, following Jesus is better. Well, if it's better, one of the areas where it ought to be better is in our relationships. Would you agree? It ought to be better in our relationships. Following Jesus is better, then it ought to be better in our relationships. And so when when something happens that the world sees is is not unifying within the body of Christ, what do you think that does for our our witness to the world. See, we, we, we've we got to figure out a way to get along with this thing. Yeah, I, I know you... you and, and listen, I'm not just, again, I'm not just talking about when we're gathered here. I'm talking about when we're out there. Whether it's somebody you work with, it's a fellow believer, and y'all are fellow believers. Whether it's your spouse, and y'all are fellow believers. Whether it's uh, a neighbor, and it's fellow believers. Uh, the, the, it, the world sees if there's if there's something going on between us, right? And we can't... Well, uh, Apostle John puts it this way in first John ch- chapter four He says, if someone says "I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar for the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God, whom he has not seen so he says, there's got there's got to be there, there's 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 got to be more to this you can't just you can't just say, oh yeah we're you know it's better with Jesus, show me it's better with Jesus do you understand and one of the ways he ought to show it is is in your life unless somebody at work may make you mad, your spouse may make a blood vessel pop out on your forehead. But how, how we uh, receive that, how we deal with that, how we work through that, I honestly believe the world takes notice. And listen, the commandment is not, thou shalt tolerate one another. Right? That's not the commandment. In John chapter 13, Jesus said this, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, watch this, Even as, in the same way, exactly like, I have loved you, that you also love one another. Notice how he bookends it with the command to love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Do you know what the context of Jesus' commandment there in John chapter 13? Do you know what the context is there in John chapter 13? Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet... And Judas has just left to go betray Jesus. That means that the context for which Jesus gives you this command to love your brother, or your sister in Christ in the same way that he has, that means the context is service and sacrifice. That's the context in which he says, here's how you ought to love each other. In other words, to bring it up on the screen, it looks like this. This is what love looks like. God's love. That we're supposed to do exactly the same. It serves without reservation and it sacrifices without hesitation. That, that's really this idea of this God. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the world will sit up and take notice of that kind of love. Because nobody, nobody in the world loves like that. I mean, not really. Maybe to an extent you'll see a person sacrifice this or give up that or whatever. But I'm just telling you, this is what, what love, God says. Now you, I, this new command I give you, this is how you love one another. Exactly as I have loved you. It serves without reservation and it sacrifices Without hesitation, for our witness in the world. Let me give a second reason, real quickly, this morning, for our work in the world. Obviously, those two are two sides of the same coin. But, but I, I point out that that's part of our call. We've got this work. We've got this task. We've got this calling in this world, for our work in the world. Let me let you in on a little secret. Y'all ready? Followers of Jesus are in the minority in this culture in which we live. Okay, maybe that's not such a little secret. Maybe that's not such a secret. But followers of Jesus in this world are outmanned. Now, listen, we're not outgunned. We're not outgunned. Praise God. First John, uh, again, chapter uh, 4. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world... Praise God, eternal victory is, is won, secured, and, and temporal battles, can we can be victorious, even in, te- in temporal battles that we face. But, by and large, we are outnumbered in this world. Would you agree with that statement? At work. unless Unless you work for Chick-fil-A or some other Christian organization or corporation, or you're a lighthouse keeper, more than likely... There are more people in your workplace that are not following Jesus than are following Jesus. Students at school, unless you go to a Christian school, and even then it can be a bit questionable. But in your school, are more students following Jesus or more students not following Jesus? In your neighborhood... Are there, are there more, more families, more uh, parents dedicated to, to walking with Jesus, active, involved uh, in, in your neighborhood, or are, or are their cars still sitting in the driveway when you pull out on Sunday morning? You, you understand what I'm saying? We're, we're in the minority. My point is we need each other. We need each other in this thing. We need each other to come alongside each other, support each other, and join in this work to grab a hold of the line, to pull together, to serve together, to go together, to give together, to be a part of this work in in taking the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We need each other. We need each other. One of the reasons that I keep bringing up and harping this year on hashtag ask the question is because... It's got to begin with a burden. You and I have to have a burden. If you don't know what hashtag ask the question is, it's simply uh, I'm asking every person to commit to saying, I'm going to build a discipline into my life uh, where when 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 I see people, whether I already know them, don't know them, but when I see them, the first thought I'm going to train my mind to say is where will this person spend eternity? Where will this person spend eternity? Where will that person spend eternity? One of the reasons I keep harping on that is because as I said, it's got to begin with a burden. We, we've, and I've said this before, but we've got to give a rip that the world is dying and going to hell. And, and if we do that, if we can build that burden into our life, then what we'll find is that more, we'll, be, it'll be more, we'll be more apt to say, come on, I've got to be a part of this. I've got to grab a hold of the rope. I've got to jump in there. I've got to do this. I, I, need to, I need to be a part of this. I need, to, I need to be willing to go. I need to be willing to give. I need to be willing to serve. I need to be willing for our work. We've got a task. It's not complete. God's called us to it. And we've got to, be, we've got to be about our Father's business. Some of you this afternoon will tune in and watch some NFL football game. Any coach or player that has experienced any amount of success will tell you that while natural talent obviously is important, it's the cohesiveness, it's the unity of the, of the team working together that makes the difference. That is the difference between victory and defeat. And the same is true for us, ladies and gentlemen. We may have the power of God at our disposal, but, but if we can't figure out how to get along, how to pull together, and, I, and I'm just challenging you right now. I just say today to any of you, if you're not in a life group, would you consider becoming part of a life group to help build the cohesiveness uh, and become a part of this thing on a regular basis If, if, you, don't, if you don't give financially Would you consider joining us in, in giving To help support this ministry and this task That we've been given to do If you don't serve in a ministry area currently In, in uh, greeting or children's ministry Or student ministry or, or set up team whatever the, whatever the ministry might be If you're not currently serving a ministry would you, would you say you know what I, I can come alongside I can be a part of that We need each other we really do We need unity There's a necessity for unity in the body. I praise God because I, I, I love cross Cultural Church and I think to a large extent we experience it here, but I'm just telling you that that we have to always be alert, always be on guard for what the enemy might try and do and how he might try and divide and drive a wedge over something that that could be just trivial or silly or over theological issues or over whatever. What it comes down to is the fact that I would say, you know what, it's not about me. It's not about the person that's 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 supposed to be leading this or doing that or, or whether I get credit or, or this person is It's not whether how much I gave or they, it's not about that. This is about the glory of God. That's what this thing is about.
0: A necessity for unity. We can realize the importance of that statement for every relationship in our lives, but none more important than our relationship as the body of Christ. As Pastor Clay mentioned today, churches usually have conflict over silly things, but the consequences can be very serious. The Apostle Paul knew that conflict threatened to tear the church apart. Unity within the body of Christ, whether gathered together on Sunday or throughout the week, is vitally important for our witness to the world and our work in the world. With different personalities and preferences, conflict is always a possibility. But God's glory and His kingdom work is too important for us to stay in conflict. We invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere to celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church. But instead of religion, we're about a relationship. A community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person. Real people who truly care. Solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens, And the most energetic, fun, and safe kids program around. Find out more at crossculture.church Cross Culture Church in North Raleigh, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.